What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. Here's the episode 177. I am your host, Greg. I am joined tonight by Ryan and Tyler. How are you guys doing tonight? It's a fucking Christmas miracle that we're all three together right now. Yeah, and we don't even know what the hell we're going to talk about. No, nope, sure don't. Pretty, pretty uh, deck, Ryan. Pictures just go through? There yeah, you go. it's beautiful. Just got that pergola put up. That's what I was busy doing. Ooh, fancy. You know you've made it in life when you have a pergola. Hey, Wayfair, man. They just got what I need. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, how are you? I'm good. I'm getting over what I was what I was going through. Drink, I've been drinking a lot. Emotional things. He's emotionally it. drinking. That's what Tyler's doing. No, I'm just kidding. I just got back from the gym. Um, I'm good. I'm eating popcorn. Life's good. It's warm out. I've been golfing a lot. Yeah, can't complain too much. It must Maybe. be nice to have the free time to be like, hey, let's go golfing. Yeah, right. I've been going golfing a lot recently. I know. I see pictures of you. I see Boston Ryan posting pictures. I'm like, these motherfuckers. Well, all you need to do is uh, not have a family, not coach softball. Not no, coach no. Ryan. I mean, like, you know, plan a trip out here. Like, I plan a trip <laughs> out there. Although you have a family, it's a lot harder. I know. I get it. I'm, I'm going to abandon them for a weekend. I'll make it happen. <laughs> well, tonight we have a podcast. And uh, we still don't quite know what we're going to talk about because we're trying to get back on schedule. And uh, if you listen to last week's with Tony, uh, we went over the prospects in the draft and what's happening there. And we kind of covered all of our bases. We covered the signing of Elmer Soderbloom. They posted today uh, for Lunda post their thank you picture, thanking Mm -hmm. uh, Elmer and Simon Edvinson for their season in for Lunda. And said they're going to North America and they'll, which is think, great news. Yeah. And I think Edvinson will start in Detroit and I think Soderbaum will start in Grand Rapids. Uh, they apparently could not get Elmer a jersey that fit him. Uh, it was like up past his, uh, up past his wrists. And it just looked entirely like two sizes too small for him, which I can get because he's such a large person that I'm sure he doesn't have a regular jersey size. But yeah, I mean, it's, there's not much happening now. Are you saying the Wings couldn't get Soderblom? No, Frolunda. Oh, Frolunda. Okay, Frolunda. I was going to say the Wings. Like, in the NHL, I mean, there has been a guy named Zidane Ochara who has played in the league. Yeah, and I'm sure the NHL will get him what he needs, but Frolunda did not look like Frolunda could not get him a jersey size that he needed. Um, just for the picture, correct? Just for the picture, yeah. It's him standing next to Edvinson, where Edvinson's already insanely tall. And Elmer is standing next to him and he is even taller, but it looks like they're both wearing the same size Jersey and it fits one and does not fit the other. <laughs> so it was a pretty funny it. picture. Um, so I think tonight we're going to talk a little bit about kind of where we want to see the rest of this off season go. So the Red Wings have not yet signed a coach. As everyone knows, we've been on coach watch today. Elliot Friedman reported on 32 thoughts that apparently he said someone had felt bad for him because he didn't have any Detroit news and told him that Steve Eiserman is casting a very wide net for his coaching search. <clears throat> he is including both NHL seasoned coaches as well as younger talent that may not come up in coaching conversation and that may have never coached in the NHL before. So basically what Elliot Freeman said is everyone knows yeah (laughs) he basically said that eiserman is taking everyone into account which we kind of already knew 
But so the direct quote, and it's, I mean, it says, Iserman has cast a very wide net in his coaching search, older, more experienced guys, and also younger guys who have not been head coaches. Some that have not been mentioned a lot for head coaching jobs. Uh, he also pronounced Detroit, Detroit, which I didn't like, but a lot yeah. of Canadian people do that. I, I, Wait, say that again. Detroit. 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 Like an E in there or an extra I, if you will. Detroit. D-E. Basically, if you spell like, it, it's one thing to just call it like Detroit. Yeah. Because that's how you know that someone's not from Michigan or the metro yep. area. Yeah. Like it's Detroit, but it's like Detroit. There's no. Nope. It's Detroit. Detroit. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit buzzed right now, but even I don't <laughs> say <call it> No. <laughs> there it is. It comes out. That is yeah. what he said. He said Detroit. Dude, I started putting this pergola up. I started drinking. Are you kidding me? You can't do manual labor and not drink. Sure you can if you work in construction and have to be sober. Well, see, here's the great thing. This is home construction. If you air quotes around construction. It doesn't technically have to be safe then. It's not heavy equipment. We're fine. <laughs> My brother-in-law and father-in-law were here and we knocked it out. It was fine. It was totally good. I'm not sure I know what a pergola is. Have you ever seen a thing, Tyler, in someone's backyard? That is like a wooden structure with like slats and no roof. And you look at it and you go, what's the point of that? That's a pergola. <laughs> why did you get one of those, Ryan? It's a uh, Wayfair. I said, why? Why did I get one? Because yeah. it's got shade. Well, it does now. Okay. Our backyard is during the day. Our backyard is full of sun. I mean, right now you can see that it is shaded, but based on those that can't see the photo, I apologize, but. Where it's at right now, at about 7 p.m. and on-ish is when the bat, that portion of the backyard is shaded. But the rest of the day, it's completely open to sun. So that has a shade over it. We've got an umbrella for the backyard. It's to make it so we can go outside and enjoy a nice day but not get fried to a crisp. Because I've got a, I'm glowing right now. Can't, yeah, look at me. We yeah. can tell. Less hockey. pergola talk, more hockey talk. <laughs> So what some people are saying is because we thought, well, we, we'd probably be a little closer. We're inching closer and closer to the draft. I mean, the draft is under a month away now. And we thought maybe there'd be a little more information. I mean, we shouldn't expect any information because it's Iserman. But one of the names that is being brought up because Tampa is still in the playoffs and Iserman might be trying to pick from the organization would be Tampa Bay Lightning assistant coach Derek Lalonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sarkhan had written an article about Lalonde saying that he checks a lot of boxes for the Red Wings. He has an impressive NHL resume as an assistant coach. Under Cooper, has worked for two Stanley Cup championship teams with Tampa. And the Lightning will try to make it three in a row, of course, now uh, since they absolutely humiliated the Rangers in a, in a Gerard Gallant gaffe scratching Capo Caco for a series clinching game when Caco, Heedle, and Lafreniere made up the best line for the Rangers the entire postseason. So I, I said still, I still think Capo Caco is is towing that line of potentially still being a bust. Would you trade Philip Zadina in a pick for Capo Caco? Yes. I wouldn't do the pick. I'd try it st- straight up. There'd be no way they would do it straight up. Absolutely not. Why not? They're both first round picks. Sure, but you have to look at 10. you have to look at the way that what's their comparables? Gerard, well, also that Gallant kind of mismanaged the youth this season. Which so, is a surprise. I, yeah. So I would say that you if you 
traded Zadina, you would probably have to trade like Zadina and a second or third, probably to try to get Capo Caco. And at that point, I'm not sure. Not even I'm not even sure they'd still do it. I I would too. And it could be just that they need changes of scenery. Now, I think that Zadina might just need a new coach. I'm not sure Zadina needs to go anywhere and he's going to get that new coach. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think they're going to give him as, as much of a chance to succeed under a new coach as possible before mm-hmm. they give up on it. But the, the rags are out. The bolts are on. It's going to be Tampa and Colorado. This is actually going to be one of the most exciting Stanley cup finals. I think in, in recent memory, but there's a lot of speed on both sides of the ice. Like it's going to be, I think a simple way to put it explosive. Well, at least in theory, because of what both teams can bring And Granted Edmonton's a fast team, but you're restricting that to their top players. The rest of the lineup isn't that way. Colorado is that way. Tampa is another team that you can make that comparison of top to bottom. They are, they are fast. They play fast and they've got probably the best goaltender in hockey that has finally figured out that why am I messing around and not playing well? Let's go, let's, let's, let's go right now. Yeah. Let's get my crazy eyes going and just destroy yeah. this team. I um, think personally, I think the series is going to be good, but I will say one thing. If Colorado can't defend, they're fucked because Tampa scores one or two goals and they can lock that game down. And I mean, I don't care how good Colorado thinks they are. It's mm-hmm. infuriating to play against Tampa you, when they do lock the game down. You think that's probably the biggest difference between the two teams is that Tampa can actually shut a game down, whereas Colorado is just going to rely on, hey, we've got offensive talent across the board. Yep, we're going to try to score goals on you. Like, but I mean, that. even still, Makar plays good defense. Yeah, yeah, good. Good is the right is the good. right word. Yeah, good, not great. No, but you've got Devon Taves too, and Devon Taves plays defense also. So it's you know what I would do if I was Tampa. I, like I hate to sound old school, and I know Tampa does play this style. Get the puck in behind them, and just forecheck the shit out of them. Make McCarr <laughs> feel every every hit. Yeah, make him pay a price every time that he has to go back on a puck, and just wear them down physically because. Colorado, yeah, they're a very good team. There, but how do you slow down a fast team? You, you, you body them. You know, you make them feel yeah. every hit. You get in the because, lanes and you take them up, take them out of their. their I mean, game. I know a lot of people know this without playing hockey, or even if you do play hockey, you know this. You want you get hit once, you're going to be like, oh, okay. Now I'm kind of looking over my shoulder a little bit, and even guys like Kale McCarr and and Nathan McKinnon, it's just second nature. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it's. I think it's a fascinating series because you have a, a team that that will trade chances with you, but then a team on the other end that can lock it down. But th- at the same token, they can still trade chances and they could probably still beat Colorado if they wanted to trade chances with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating, especially without Kadri in the series for Colorado. <laughs> I mean, that's a big loss. Well, plus it was uh, announced today that, or maybe it was late, late last night that Braden Point will be making his return to the Lightning lineup. It's, so, it's still unknown if he's going to be in game one, but it, it looks pretty much near certain. Apparently, if there was a game seven, he would have been a game time decision like after warmups. Yeah. 
huh. what people were saying. So, well, back to Lalonde, the few just a little background on him. Lalonde began his coaching career as an assistant at Ferris State in 2003. After three years, he spent five seasons as an assistant at Denver. In his first stint as a head coach, he led the Green Bay Gamblers to the USHL's Clark Cup Championship in 2011 and 12, earning Coach of the Year. He won two division titles in each of his two seasons as head coach of the Toledo Walleye. So there is the mm-hmm. connection there also. Oh, he, won the John, he won the John Brophy Award as ECHL Coach of the Year in his first season when the Walleye improved by 58 points the largest leap in league history and reached the third round of the playoffs. So he has a coaching pedigree in the lower leagues. That is very good. He has now what could possibly be three Stanley cups, depending on how this season plays out. I think he will definitely get an interview. And I think the only other contenders that I have seen, I saw some graphic that showed coaches and where they could possibly land. Uh, Trotz still had a little Red Wings logo next to him. So did Cassidy. And then Elliot Friedman had said today that he thinks Trotz will start notifying teams this week, whether they are in or out for his services. So that's really all we have on the coaching update. There's not much more going on there. There was also rumors this week that Dylan Larkin may be attempting to get a one-year deal. Um, I had seen some reports where they said that Larkin may be wanting to sign a one year more kind of like a prove it kind of deal in order to show that he can do what he did this season again. And I'm not sure I feel about that. I'm not sure there's any chance that that happens. No, that's not happening. They're giving him that long term extension. Do you, what's the point? I mean, you think that would be more on Larkin's end than anything? Yeah, I think the 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 article said that his management was maybe pushing for a one-year deal. Which wouldn't be surprising because, as we talked about, he did change his representation. And the people that they represent are all very well paid. Sure. So, in a way, that makes sense. But at the same time, does it fit what you think... I mean, this is all pure assumption on our part because he's the hometown guy. He's everything that he's done has been about being a Detroit Red Wing and hockey in the Metro Detroit area. But it's, I don't know. I I feel like that's more on his new representation than him to see what Iserman is willing to do. And is there a precedent there of what maybe we could expect? Maybe. You could look at his signings in Tampa, but at the same time, like he made great deals there. And I think a lot of that's based on his knowing what the salary cap would do, but also guys made deals because they know that they need to have a, a team that they can field. And not to mention the, the tax in Florida is different than the tax in Michigan. Oh, well, yeah, but it's, it's also you have to look at the writing on the wall of what the team is going to have coming forward. So. And I think there's a lot of Larkin stuff I think is being overblown. There are some people that said that They had heard that Larkin, if the team wasn't turned around, that he'd want out after his contract is up. I don't see any indication that that would be anywhere near remotely true. Uh, Larkin, like Michigan guy, and he's just reaching the prime of his career and it's his team. So I could see, I'm not sure a one-year deal helps much. If he comes back completely healthy from this core muscle surgery. And I think he should because it's core muscle surgery. It's a fairly common thing. Mm-hmm. 
and just lights it up again, then yeah, you're kind of racing towards that bigger payday. And maybe, maybe they're telling him to bet on himself and that if he bets on himself, it could pay off, but also it could backfire. That's the other half of it. Would I be mad about a one-year contract? I wouldn't be happy. I mean, that's nowhere near what I would want to happen. But if it's what he thinks is best for him and what his agents think is best for his value, then it's it's what's going to happen. No Who one else is going to change it. right? Uh, huh. What? Is that again? Yeah, Tyler, he that's who he switched to. He switched to basically Sidney Crosby's uh, agents. Yeah, Pat so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where, where Larkin is at. We're still waiting on contracts. I mean, he could sign. People are waiting for a William Wallander contract. Apparently, William Wallander had signed a two-year deal with Rogla, which would keep him there next season. I had seen some reports that said he might come over to North America. And I don't think, really? yeah. And if you can, you can break He's, the contracts, but you have to talk to the SHL team first. Say, and I haven't seen any reports of that. Right? Well, he's got another year in Rogla, apparently. So uh, that, that's what I meant. Like he wasn't under contract with the Grand Rapids and or Detroit. No, no. William Wallander has not signed an entry level contract yet. Unrelated, Greg. I unlocked us a few new things. I got the micro stack. Microstat and prospect cards from Jay Fresh. Oh, prospect cards. I saw those. Those are actually one thing I kind of wanted to take a look at. You're welcome. Oh, did you guys see that the walleye lost in the no? Yeah, that's unfortunate. I did see that. They made it to the Kelly Cup. I think they lost in five games to Florida. Yeah, they got they got booty hold a little bit. All right, let's take a look at these prospect cards because these are kind of interesting. And I want to look first at Jonathan Bergren. So these are, if you haven't seen Jay Fresh's prospect cards, basically what they do is they try and project a player's chance of becoming an NHLer, so a regular NHLer, and then becoming a star in the NHL. So right now, uh, Jonathan Bergren... 5'11", 183 pounds drafted in 2018, pick number 33. I think he's kind of the the player that's in North America already that we're the most excited about. I think he is probably Mm -hmm. the closest to a lock for next season um, as Edvinson is. I don't, and people will keep saying Edvinson's not a lock with how bad our defense is. If Edvinson is not on this defense next season, I'm going to be kind of upset. I think if Edvinson is not on the defense next year, that's on Edvinson. Oh, totally. sure. Yeah, it's his spot to take is what it is. I wouldn't say that it's going to be given to him. I think that he still has to work for it in training camp um, and, and earn it. But if he does, I mean, he should be on the team. There shouldn't be any, mm-hmm. any question about that. So the way Jay Fresh ranks chances of becoming a star, a star is a top 18.5% of war per 82 games. Do it have to rank in the top 18.5% of players in war. And to become an NHLer is play 200 plus games with a positive war. So 200 games above replacement level. So Jonathan Bergeron's chance of becoming an NHLer is 89%. His NHL rank at 27 and projected chance of becoming a star is 29%. So he has over a one in four chance of becoming an NHL star, which with his playmaking ability, I can kind of see where that ranking is coming from. 
Right. I mean, he's just, I mean, the shot is not the absolute best, but he is a wizard when he's got the puck on his stick. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's, I was really excited and proud of the fact that I got to see him in Grand Rapids this season. And I know it was obviously not an entire season that I watched, but taking that versus what people had said, what Max had wrote about, what other analysts, if you will, had talked about him, the playmaking and like hockey IQ, if you will, for Bergeron is what Detroit needs because outside the top line for more, more often than not, you could argue the middle six or top six, if you will, if they're fully healthy, um, they don't have it. And he made things happen in very tight spaces. And more often than not, when you watch the Red Wings, they don't really do that. They're hoping that they're going to do a a spray and pray of moving the puck around or trying to throw the puck at the net gets knocked down. And then they're now in scramble mode trying to recover from it. But he, when he has the puck, he is very deliberate, whether it be in his zone meaning defensive zone or offensive zone, even it's in in the neutral zone. He is what he does is for a purpose. And it's to try if he's, if he's making a play to another person on the team, it's to set them up for success rather than just kind of throwing the puck and hoping that somebody gets to it. And if that, I think if you've watched and paid attention to what Eisenman has been doing, he's been building towards that in my opinion. Yeah. And he adds to that like no other. Yeah, and I think he'll be a really good I think someone had said like maybe this is going to be the battle between Bergeron and Soder Soderblom for a spot and it's not comparable. No. We had no. talked about with not Tony, yet. we had talked about with Tony last week that Elmer Soderblom, you hope he comes in as a as a really good third liner. Mhm. And he provides uh, kind of your depth. He provides a special skill in that he is very large. He's going to be hard to knock off the puck. He is going to have a fantastic reach. He's got good hands. He is slow as molasses. But you hope that he can come in and just play that role. If we look at the the kind of projection for the prospect card in Fresh, Elmer Soderblom right now, projected chance of becoming an NHLer, which again is 200 plus games with a positive war. Is twenty one percent. Take it. His chance of becoming a star is give me that one depth giant forward all day. Sure, and with skill, and maybe he doesn't have a positive war. I don't think Luke Glendening had a positive war. That, but he played a role. He was on your team to win faceoffs. He was on your team to play on the PK, and mm-hmm. that was about it. I mean, look at Darren Helm right now. Darren Helm is on the team to be on the penalty kill and move a puck. That's it. But I mean, Darren Helm's also older now. So. Yeah, but the other thing you can say, like, yeah, maybe he's slow as molasses, but it's certainly something that can be worked on. I mean, you can't go from being like a Elmer Soderblom now to a Connor McDavid, but you can certainly go from a Soderblom to a Michael Rasmussen, right? Can you can you make that jump where where you're... You're not the fastest guy in the world. We had also kind of tried to make that comparison when we talked to Tony too. And we don't think that the, the Rasmussen and Soderblom comparison really line up either because Rasmussen's a better skater than Elmer. Elmer's a bigger body. Elmer has better hands and, and better kind of stick movement deception than Rasmussen has. 
Rasmussen, I think, uses his body more now. So if you can teach Elmer, and I'm sure you can, just to go lay people out, then yeah, maybe you're you're going towards more of a Michael Rasmussen. But Michael Rasmussen is still probably has a higher should have a higher expectation level of him than someone like an Elmer Soderblom. So maybe yeah. Elmer could get to a Michael Rasmussen level, but that that's not really, I think, the expectation of him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it, I think if, if you have anything remotely close, it's a win. Because, and I think the Wings just posted something recently about the step forward that Rasmussen had made yeah. this past season. They had a big thing on him. Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, and this is just my opinion, uh, Soderblom has a better skill set than Rasmussen because when Raz came in, he believed to have a good shot and he was a great net front guy. I think you could argue that Soderblom has better hands. Is he necessarily a better skater? That's to be determined because just to how they both kind of play their game. But I think more you're going to get more offensively out of Soderblom, at least for now, or at least maybe if you want to compare when they both entered the league, than maybe what Rasmussen brought. And if that's the case, you're in a great position. Because if the expectation for Soderblom is he's going to be in your bottom six, sweet. Yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not hurt by that because you're, for one, he's going to be cheap. And two, he's going to bring skill to where you need it. But also three, he's a big motherfucker. Yeah, he's huge. So you can't, you're not losing in any of those scenarios. And you're not in because he's what? How old is he? Is he 21 coming over? Soderbloom? Or is he 20? July. He'll be 21 in July. Not hurt. You're getting younger. That's the thing is this team is going to be now for better or worse. The team is going to be very young and very big. So big is good. Young, sometimes not necessarily. No, um, but, but I will say one thing about big. Look at all the Stanley skill. Cup champions the last couple of years, especially yeah. on the back end. Maybe not so much, you know, forward wise, but Tampa's a pretty big team. Yeah, they have some shorter guys. Um, you know, Braden Point comes to mind, and I don't think Kucherov's that big. Um, no. but but they certainly have some big guys, and then on defense. I heard that their their um their smallest defenseman is Ryan McDonough at six one. They have trees, as did St. Louis when they won the Stanley Cup in twenty nineteen. Yeah. They had Petrangelo and they had Perico and Edmondson. Yeah, but the the thing is though is that in comparison to the NHL of the past, these guys are big in but terms of skate. height and size, but they're skilled. Mm-hmm. They're not as we so thoroughly like to beat up on, I shouldn't say we, maybe me, but they're not as Jonathan Erickson. (laughs) They are moving across the ice. They can make things happen. Now, yes, there are some times where that size does bite them in the ass and they do get snuck around by a smaller, quicker player. However, more often than not, as we've seen with much of the NHL and really pro pro sports in general, size is winning new games. Yep. But the size also has to have skill behind it. And yeah, that is just what Tampa like, has. That's what Colorado has. Like, go ahead, Greg. It's the same people calling for enforcers. We need an enforcer. We need people to come in and, and you be able to protect don't. our players. But it, the, and we even had asked DMAC, 
there's really not a role for an enforcer anymore unless they can also put up points. Bingo. So Pat if Maroon. you're, yeah, if you're, well, I mean, Pat Maroon to a certain extent, Ryan yeah, Reeves I, to a I certain extent. Loosely, but he can go, he still provides skill yeah. as he's trying to beat the fuck out of you. Well, you Reeves still, ball. you still get Who? the, the calls Reeves for, ball. yeah, Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yep, still get the calls thing. though for Luke Witkowski and Luke Witkowski no. was doing nothing for you. They don't need Luke Witkowski. They don't need anybody like that. If anything, I mean, this is hard to find because, I mean, the Leafs are looking for the. the I was listening to Elliot Friedman and he was talking about um, what the Leafs need um, going forward. And basically they said like a Tom Wilson kind of player. They're not, they don't grow on trees. You do no. need a player mm-hmm. like that on your team. But like, I think the Wings have a guy like that. I think Bertuzzi is the kind of guy like that. Where I mean he's not gonna he's not gonna fight that often, but I mean when called upon, he'll drop the gloves. He'll sure. he'll be physical. He'd be a good playoff about player, it. to be honest, I think. Well, that's why I said you could trade Bertuzzi and to a team that wants to make the playoffs, and you hope that a guy in the next couple of years coming up or a few years in Carter Mazer is a Bertuzzi replacement. It's the same kind of thing. It's an agitator player that has is showing now in, in the lower levels that he can score goals and still get under people's skin and, and kind of mess people up. Mm-hmm. So that's what you need. But, but again, if they can't provide anything other than fighting, then it's a non-starter. Like we had talked yes. about Giovanni Smith. Thank Not you. sure Giovanni mm-hmm. Smith has a role in this lineup going forward because you saw the sparks of offense, but you saw those when he played with Dylan Larkin. And Dylan Larkin is going to make anyone better. And he going forward would have zero chance to play with Dylan Larkin. Is it, am I the only one truly frustrated by that though? Giovanni? Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, thought, to a point. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, and I, I was very excited about him coming into this past season, but it very quickly turned to him just being out there to throw his body around and or fight. I think no. I was more. I was more disappointed in the he didn't know when not to take dumb penalties repeatedly in a game. Yeah, that's true. So that was my disappointment with him. Because the skill was there. You saw it in, you in could small see flashes, it. regardless of it, if it was with Larkin or not. Like there was sometimes you're like, that's why I, I love Giovanni Smith. But then he would go out and punch someone in the side of the head and be like, that's why I'm kind of mad at you right now. Yeah, you can't take dumb penalties, and that's that's something you know. I mean, obviously the wings aren't aren't there just yet, but I mean they're they're getting closer and closer. I think if you if you watch these playoffs, um, you know the refs will let you scrum it up a little bit. As soon as you throw a punch, as soon as you throw a punch to the side of someone's head or in the face, you're getting a penalty. Yep, yeah. they're taking one, and you're getting a warranted penalty. or not. It's you're going to the box. And these power plays, like like we've all talked about where the game has gone. The game has gotten fast, but it's also gotten incredibly mm-hmm. skilled. Mm-hmm. To take a guy off the ice for two minutes, to give a team like Toronto or a team like Colorado Tampa, or a team t- like Tampa Edmonton. or Carolina on the power yeah. play, it, it's a recipe for a disaster. And you can't have players like that to take stupid well, ass power. Look at Look at the Toronto-Tampa series in particular. How many penalties were called in those first several games, and how many times were those where they scoring? Yep, exactly. Like, so, 
they're they're skilled at both ends of the ice, but my God, when you put that type of offensive firepower out there, good luck. There's there's room for players that are physical. There's room for players that are role players. There's not room for players anymore that just run around and start start shit and start fights. And mm-hmm. you almost you almost have to be like a Brad Marchand kind of player or Tom yes. Wilson. If you're gonna play like that, you gotta do it at the other end too. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, and it'll happen. I mean, Iserman's building this team to be bigger. This team is not, one of, one of the major problems people had was the team gets pushed around too much. Okay, I get it. And they weren't really fighting. They weren't really, I guess, defending, not just not defending each other because they did an okay job of defending each other, defending themselves. And not getting pushed off the uh, pushed off the puck and pushed off the boards and coming out with the puck, and I think that will improve because if you look at eyes again, look at Iserman's draft record. Most of the guys are very big, and mm-hmm. that's what he did in Tampa: big guys with skill. And those guys don't have to punch you, and they don't have to beat you up. They mm-hmm. just have to wear you down, and they're big enough that their hits are going to matter more that their board batters, uh, board battles are going to matter more and they're going to tire you out. And by the third, they're just going to take the game over. So that's, that's the direction I see the team going. And that's certainly the way that Iserman has drafted. Now, let me ask you, the, let me ask both of you guys this, maybe you have the answer. Cause someone asked me this the other day, Iserman obviously built Tampa Bay. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't able to see it through. Where, like, obviously, we think he's going to win a Stanley Cup in Detroit, if not multiple. Hopefully. Is it going to be the same kind of build of a team? Like, do you think it's going to be a carbon copy of Tampa Bay, or you think he's going to put a spin on it? No, it'll be a spin. I guess I jumped into that one out the gate, but I mean, you look at what's there, you could see the similarities a little bit because you could argue that Cider and/or Edvinson are his is Victor Hedman. Yep. Or both. Um, we don't have maybe a Stephen Samkos. You could, are, you could say that Larkin is the poor man's version of that, but he is your top center, but he doesn't have the shot or the scoring ability per se. Oh. Is he a point per game player? You could argue that, but we don't necessarily have right now with where the team's at. It's a collective version of what Tampa's trying to do. We don't have the point Kucherov Stamkos yeah. yet yet. I mean, we've got a Lucas Raymond and we don't know what he's yep. going to turn into. If he yep. could become like a Kucherov, that would ob- obviously, you know, accelerate things. I, and- yeah. I, I think the way they're going right now, maybe some of that's going to come in the terms of free agency, but I think some of it where, where they're at is maybe he's going from back to front in terms of the skill and what this team can put together. Yep. Because we don't have that offensive firepower at the, at this moment. But we saw what he was able to do in the draft outside of the first round in terms of Kucherov point what have you. Um so it's possible and with the way that skill has balanced itself out throughout the NHL or throughout the world I should say in terms of draft you don't need that top pick per se to be like, oh my God, we hit the lottery. Yeah. We've got, 
Mo Sider, who in some cases, if you go back and redraft it, they'd be like, I should have took him number one or two. That might be a stress for some, but you you get my point. They've got that cement in terms of their top defenseman. They've got a potential top forward or winger in, in Lucas Raymond. Now, how can they build off that with what's in the current pipeline and then seeing where they go from, from free agency? I think a lot of what we're going to see from Detroit is we're, we're going to see those extra pieces maybe through UFA rather than draft where that's where Tampa was already kind of set when Stevie took over because he had Stamkos and Hedman or Hedman. Um, and then the rest kind of fell in place, but Detroit is going to have to be a different monster because we can't guarantee those top two picks. So with what they've got in place, this, that's why this year's draft is more important really than any other draft that they're going to have the last couple of years and moving forward, because we can't expect that next season we're going to be sitting there looking at a top three pick because if they're not improving, that means his ass is going to be on fire, his being Iserman. Yeah. If if they do improve, then we already know that the lottery pick is, okay, we're, we're whatever. Now we got to look at what we have internally. What can we bring in? How do we make that make that mesh and go from there? Is this the so, year that if things don't go the way we would like them to go, meaning things don't start improving, is this the year that people start questioning Steve? No. I don't think so. I don't I think, think so that, either. And we had said before, I think Iserman has 98% of the fan base trust until he gives them a reason not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So until he makes a Ken Holland-style move that just doesn't make any sense, then maybe people start to question. But I think... I think if we end up in the same position next season that we're in this season, will people be disappointed? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think people are going to question Iserman because so far he has made all of the, the correct moves to get the team back on track. Now, now that's notwithstanding this current off season and what he's going to do, Mm -hmm. but he's made all the correct moves so far to get back on track. It is up to the team to do it and it is up to the coaching staff to do it. And we saw the coaching staff could not do it. So they were all either fired or not brought back. So we'll retool there and we'll see maybe the coaching new coaching staff that comes in has a rough first season. And, Mm -hmm. And I guess it depends on who the coach is going to be, but I do expect improvement, even if it is incremental and not huge, but I, my top end, kind of expectation this next season is I really almost need this team to be a bubble playoff team, a like bubble wild card. Yeah. I, I, if, if they're not, and we, we've kind of touched on this before, like you're going to have a lot of people jumping ship because how many more years can you put up with not being a pl- playoff contender? Yeah. I hate to make the comparison, but it's almost like we're not Buffalo. No, no, no I didn't say that. I, I I hate to make the comparison. I don't like to cross-reference sports, but it would be almost like Harbaugh coming back to Michigan and having a one year where, you know, it was close in Columbus, and then he had, like, four years where, you know, it was it just all went to hell. And, you know, then finally, you know, last year. But I don't think no. we're at that point yet because no. when Steve took over, this was a complete, complete, disaster that that Ken Holland left 
left behind, as we all know. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the comparison wasn't good. I just feel like in terms of people jumping ship, I don't think it would be next year. I think it would be like two years from now if there's no improvement and still no like bubble, like meaningful hockey in February, mm. March, and April. I think people are at that point will start to be pissed and, and not say for him to be fired, but I mean, maybe, I mean, at that point, that's what, um, this is year five, right? This is going into year five. So that would be year seven or eight. Yeah. I think at that point, I think a lot of people would start questioning things. And even though it's Steve Eisenman, uh, I mean, you'd probably still have more than half the fan base on your side, but it would certainly, the, the, the rumblings would start. I I think really what you can base the start of his tenure is off last season, last off season. We're going into season four. Yep. So, okay. So that, and and the reason I say last, like coming into this season is I think where you can really start judging Iserman moving forward. And the reason I say that is because of the contracts that were in place, because he had to shed so much bullshit. He, yep. and he did a great job at it. He waved some guys that we didn't expect or bought out. I should say he made some trades. Yes. He's brought on contracts, but he had to do that because he had to hit the salary floor. But I think now coming to the start of this season, going to the next three to four years is where the tire has to hit the road. We had to start seeing that forward progress, seeing this team compete. Like Greg said, like the expectation in a way could be that this coming off season is where you should expect or hope for this team to be competing for a playoff spot. Is it going to be a wild card? Probably, but that's okay because the barn's going to be full at LCA and that place gets really fucking loud. And that team we have, as we saw this season, when that crowd is loud and they're behind them, they play yeah. well. They had a great season at home. The guys have a taste of it. But I, to like to your point, Tyler, though, like it's, I think that this past season moving forward is where we, we set that clock on Iserman for being upset. Like you can't, to me, it's completely unfair to say that Iserman going if next season turns into a bust and they're a a bottom 10 team, if you will, to say that he is failing as the GM, I don't think would be appropriate. This is just a a generalization comment right here. Not like saying that we would say that, but there will be people that be like, he hasn't done shit since he got here. Well, okay. Look at his first three seasons, the contracts he dealt with, what he had to get rid of, look what he had to rebuild and try to bring into this system in terms of elite talent. Until Cider, until Edmondson, until Raymond, until these last three drafts of top 10 picks, we haven't had much to deal with. Thankfully, he's made some trades. He's got Vrana, Fabry, kind of stops after that if you really want to go to the truly skilled players. But you, you see where I'm going with what my point. Like He has retooled this entire roster in two to three seasons. And now I think this season moving forward is where you'll be like, all right, Show me what you did. So before we move on to the last section of the night, I just need to read a quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. 
New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What's up? It's Greg here from the Grindline podcast with a message from Manscaped. Growing out your playoff beard, let that thing loose up top, but our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a jumbo Joe downstairs. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoff season. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE. Shaving your ball starts with the perfect package for your package, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. The Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is also included in this package, which is also waterproof, uses skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs. There is no more pinching, there is no more pulling, there's no more crying because you're ripping out your nose hairs. Shaves them clean off with no issues at all whatsoever. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your ball sticking to your legs from end to end. No one will be chirping you anymore. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a moost. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag. Amazing bag, super soft, has just enough room for all the tools plus some extras. It's not too big. Uh, my problem is generally that the bags are too small and cannot fit everything, so I end up throwing extra stuff in a backpack. This bag is just the right size. The boys will be buzzing this Stanley Cup lineup from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon fighting your bush with the wrong trimmer. Choose the right tools for the job this playoff season with Manscaped. I think it's fair. I think it's certainly interesting to see where this offseason goes. I know a lot of people talk about like UFAs. Um, I know like at the end of the season meetings, they were, they were asking him what he thought. And he's like, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. even looked at the draft yet. Um, you know, yeah, he says uh, we're ending season three and going into season four. Yep. So, I mean, the free agency is interesting because you don't want to do what Ken Holland did. No, no. the last thing you want to do, but panic, you do want to bring some players in, and this is obviously easier said than done because it has to be the right fit and everything, but it certainly has to be someone that not only helps you now, but also helps you, you know, three, four years from now when, you know, you're hopefully going to be a true Stanley cup contender, or at least, you know, a perennial playoff team. Yeah. I think if you're signing any free agents, they're under, if you're signing any, what I guess you would consider core free agents or future plans, free agents, they're probably 28 and younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are also the people you're going to try to, uh, like we said, maybe you offer she to Kevin Fiala. Maybe you offer she to Capo Caco and see what New York does. Kevin Fiala though. You'd have to give up. I think too much. Do you want to though? Yeah. I think you would, you would offer she to him. They don't have the money to match. 
and you might only have to give up a first and a third to get him. Yeah, but so, that would be this year's first, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think of this draft? I, I like the draft, but I think that Kevin Fiala. No, it'd be next season's. It says the draft picks must be available in the nearest entry draft unless compensation requires two or more draft picks in the same round. An extra year can be used for com- uh, for the compensation for these picks if two first yeah. rounds are required. But I think Fiala comes in and and gets you that much closer now. But I think the downside of that then is you need a center and there are centers available at the top of this draft. Now, when we had talked to Tony, we, we had said that there's maybe two centers that can one be with Largan. The rest of them are going to be a definite second line center. And it's just the skill gap between them and Larkin is going to be evident. So maybe you do offer sheet of Fiala. Maybe you do offer sheet of Capo Caco and see if New York matches the offer sheet. Now Caco would probably be easier to trade for. It wouldn't cost you a fortune, but I, I, there's possibilities there. Now, Tyler, you weren't here last week. I know you have done a little bit of draft research. Who is your pick at number eight before we sign off tonight? I have not done a whole lot of draft research, so I'm going to reserve that question for the next time we all get together. <laughs> so what you're telling me is you didn't do what I told you to do. So he did even less than me, which is fantastic. Yeah, Ryan at least had other people's notes pulled up. Well, you know, I mean, I can give you an answer. It's just not going to be the right one right this second. Who do you give, want? Give us a name. Hold What's on. your name? Oh, he's in a Google. He's in a Google oh, really? mock, you know, mock draft. He's going to look up Max's pick. No, don't, don't look up Max's recent one. Max's recent one said Marco Casper, which Tony said there are better choices available than Marco Casper, and we had agreed with him. So I, from what I see from a couple is Jonathan Lickermackey. Lickermackey? Okay. He's Likera a right Mack. wing. Yeah, uh, he's, not a, he's not a center, Tyler. He's not a center. Um, he's a wing. But, I mean, we were talking. The wings still – I don't think at this point you're drafting for need. I think you're still think drafting you for best available. I think at this point your need is a center. It's glaringly obvious that I'm you need a center. Trade for one, sign one in free agency. You know centers are the most expensive position, right? It's the most expensive position in the league. And your center, if you're trading for a... Now, again, you could sign a a Vincent Trocek. You could sign maybe a Ryan Strom. Or Ryan Strom, sorry. And you're getting your, your center there. But I think you still need to draft one for the future because when that drafted center, like a Frank Nazar comes in and in four years, five years, he's ready to go. And he's going to probably be hitting his prime when you're in competition stage. And then your Trocheck or your Strom bumps down to the third. And then you have a very, very solid third or line Larkin. center. Yeah. Well, your Larkin's not going to go to a third line, but. Well, no, but th- that's who's dropping down with those guys. I, I still don't see it, but. It's possible, but then at that point, you've got three really solid centers and you need centers to win. So I think that's the plan now is, and it's not just drafting for a need, it's that there's not a huge talent gap between the players that are available and the position they play. Do you, at eight. Do you trade up and try to get a Logan Cooley? At what cost, though? Yeah. 
that's the I mean, thing. That's always the question. But I mean, it's just Logan Cooley. You're probably gonna have to trade up to what three yeah. or four, depending on how you, the rest can, of the top. Can you get goes. away with that with trading that in a Zadina? Is that all you can get away with? But do you want to do that? That's the thing. You I don't could. think you could trade eight in a Zadina to move up to four. You're only doing that if you think that that player you're trading for is making the is going to be on the ice this season. I I think if you're moving up to four or you're moving up to three, yeah, one you, you they're going to be in your lineup. You're not trading yeah. up to throw them in the minors. No, Two, you can't. No, you're going to have to trade like the number eight and maybe a Albert Johansson. Like a like a what would be considered a really good prospect. Zadina is not. I don't think Aiton Zadina is not going to really move the needle to get you up to that top three. I think it's going to be someone that projects to be a good prospect, and it's going to be based on that team's needs too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't have the list in front of me. Who's drafting for? Um, Is it Seattle? I know Seattle's pretty high. Yeah, Arizona's three. Yeah, so. I mean, Arizona needs everything. They need a new arena. They need a new city. They need everything. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, I think you're going to have to take that team's need into account. Seattle's four. Yeah, Arizona's you're going to take, three. now Seattle needs centers. Seattle needs. NHL.com hasn't taken a defenseman. Okay. I mean, they really That's need medic. everything. They're a new franchise. So I think that you're looking, if you're looking at that, I think it's going to cost you too much to move up three spots. And that if you're looking at Logan Cooley and you're saying, I, I need a center and you look at a Frank Nazar, you look at a, a Maddie Savoy, or you look at a Brad Lambert, you're getting good players mm-hmm. in those. And you're getting a, probably a one B style center. Cooley can be a one C in the league. That's the thing, Tyler is Cooley's going to come in and, and eventually be your top line center. Yeah. At this point, we don't need that right now. We're not drafting Larkin's replacement. We're drafting well, someone to play at the same level as Larkin or slightly below. So, but here's the thing, right? If if we kind of take the Tampa model, which I know a lot of people say don't do that, but I, I think it's fair for the way Eisenman is building this team. Maybe not exactly like Tampa, but you know, close enough. You have to because we took the Everyone else took the Eisenman model. Yeah. I'm not saying that Braden Point is a better center than Steven Stamkos, but everything changed when Braden Point got there. And that's why when we talked about a Frank Nazar, a smaller, more skilled center, which is what Braden mm-hmm. Point is, right? you can get someone who can play a Larkin equivalent or... Uh, as as good as Larkin or like I said, slightly below Larkin in in this draft at number eight. I think you mm-hmm. can. So that I'm I don't think I'm trading this number eight now. Okay. An offer sheet makes it kind of interesting, but is I, there any centers to offer sheet? I don't think so. None that are probably really gonna move the needle. Are there any like good centers to offer sheet? I haven't actually looked. Uh, I don't have pulled up. It's going to be the thing is, though, is you'd have to offer sheet a player from a team that's in really, really bad cap space. And, and I don't think any are in such bad cap space with a an, an RFA who Rock is Besser. he's not a center, though. 
I think don't think you'd need to offer sheet Brock Besser. I think you could trade for him and get him for not a ton of money. What about Kirby Doc? I know Chicago and Detroit typically don't make trades, but I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I'm I'm not counting on Chicago to do anything. The thing is, Tyler, is that you need to you need to find a team that's got someone like right in that age range that is an RFA and the team cannot afford to sign them. Like your closest is going and they've got money and you can't even offer sheet him because he's a 10 2 C, but Philly's got Morgan frost coming up on an RFA year, but he's a 10 2 C. So the same situation that Quinn Hughes had Quinn Hughes could not have been offer sheeted because he was a 10 2 C. So there aren't any teams in as bad as cap of cap shape as like a, that with that opportunity coming up as like a Minnesota wild are. Yeah. So technically you'd probably just be better off to trade for a Kirby Docker bill and or, uh, trade, uh, sign a Ryan Strom as a UFA or a Vincent Trocheck. Yeah. 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 That that's kind of the, the way we almost have to go because of, of the way that just other teams contracts are mm-hmm. kind of setting themselves up. I, I would say that we have about one more year. This is the, uh, if you want to, throw an offer sheet at somebody, this is going to be the year to do it because moving forward, that cap's going up. Yep. It's a one year, it's a one mil jump from going into the next season. There's too many teams that aren't going to benefit from that. So if you really want to go after somebody you think might be appropriate, do it now because if not, that cap's going up, it's going to be, it's going to be open season again. Yeah, and if we look at next season, uh, in at the end of next season, you can definitely go and offer sheet of Matt Barzal. So yeah. Brock Besser is going to be a an arbitration RFA, by the way. This season? Yep. I think you could trade for him, honestly, if you wanted to. He's 25. He's arbitration eligible for RFA. Yeah. The RFAs next year are pretty good. Barzell, Lafreniere, the Brinkett. Filipito, Robert Thomas, Filipito. Yeah, you've got a lot, I mean, a lot of teams, and then again, there are going to be teams that are still going to be in in trouble right there too, because, like you said, it's only going up a million dollars, and you have right now a Montreal Canadiens who have zero cap room. They don't have a lot to sign this season, mm-hmm. but next season they have a Cole Caulfield they need to sign. They have a Ryan Poling they need to sign. How do they have so many big contracts? I don't get it. Uh, they're paying Nick Suzuki 7.8 mil. They're playing, paying Brendan Gallagher 6.5, Josh Anderson 5.5, uh, Jeff Petrie 6.25. Uh, they're paying Carey Price is still on his $10.5 million deal. They've got Jonathan Drew right now on IR. He's making 5.5. And they have the Shea Weber LTIR that's 7.8 million. So, so they have some no really good RFAs space? next season. No, they're actually um, over the cap by 933,000 right now. Who, Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just have big, big forward contracts for people Our like... Our favorite person that they fired is no longer there. That's how. Yeah. Mike Hoffman, 4.5 million. Christian Dvorak, 4.45. Uh, Joel Edmondson, 3.5. David Joel Armia, 3.4. So they've got a lot of high, high cost contracts for mediocre players. That's what it is. So, like I said, they might have a problem signing a Cole Caulfield without dumping someone. 
Hmm. I think there's a handful of uh, RFAs that Detroit could definitely go after. Next season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next season, I think it's a better pool. This season's not a great pool. Like I said, the only person worth it is probably Kevin Fiala. I mean, you you look at the top, the soft cap friendly, based off points is what I'm gonna I'm gonna read down top to bottom. You've got Matthew Kachuk, who's probably gonna resign. Yep. Fiala, who we talked about, Jason Robertson, Jesper Brat, Pierre Luc Dubois, who there's been conversations about him as a possible trade ship for Detroit. Andrew Mangiapane, Joshua Norris. Adrian Kempe, which you got to think that LA for their situation, they're going to be all over him. Tony D'Angelo, we won't talk about that. No, one. thank you. Noah Dobson. There's a mix of majority are forwards, but then you've got Victor Olofsson, Dylan Strom, Brock Besser, like we just talked about. I think my favorite one of this whole group is Besser. Yeah. There is a lot of skill there that he just looks completely just shut off. On Vancouver, I guess. I mean, and that's just that's just the short list of names. Like looking throughout the entire list, it's it's an impressive amount. Of, like you, Tyler, I think you mentioned Kirby Doc. He's on there. I think Chicago's open for business. You can get him for cheap. Get Cat. Go get Cat right now. Let's Andre get him. Bring Kasha. him home. Could they get to bring it? They could. You'd have to spend a ton of assets to get him, but you could get to bring it. What would it take? Yeah. Uh, first, first round pick plus a good prospect, probably. So, like, uh, so if you traded Johansson your twenty first, yeah, if you traded your twenty twenty two first or your twenty twenty three first, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't trade this. I'd trade next year's because you think you're going to move up top ten protected twenty twenty three first, and an Albert Johansson. Or your 2023 first and a, I don't know. There's not really a, we don't really have a forward equivalent currently. So I think you're looking at something like that. And then maybe another piece, maybe a first, a fourth and a Johansson might get it done. But again, it's all dependent on what Chicago needs too. And they're going to have to Chicago make a trade with the wings though. That's the, uh, the other part. Well, I mean, they've made a trade with everyone else in the division pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we're not, right up there with them anymore so yeah we're not even could. in the same division yeah no i think they could well, i mean like people other teams within our division yeah yeah i know what you meant um but i want to get you guys final thoughts before we sign off and i want to start with ryan uh final thoughts i hope that i can actually watch the nhl finals because every game that i've watched of the actual playoffs has been fantastic and I don't, what day does the, the finals actually start? Wednesday. Wednesday. I don't have softball. Oh, Let's look win. at you. What's is it every other night right now for that? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's not the NBA where it's fucking two nights in between games. So I can pretty much watch the series. So we're in, we're in good shape, but, uh, but no, we're, we're getting into that weird point of the season of, we don't really know what to talk about. So we made a bunch of shit up and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. But, it worked. Okay. Yeah. Uh, even though I was a little bit late, so I'm sorry, but not really. Other than that, uh, already Ryan 33. Yeah, my final thoughts are, um, you know, I mean, the playoffs have, have been good this year. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the the kid in me hates Colorado that much that I'd rather see Tampa win three Stanley Cups in a row than see the Avalanche fans have anything to cheer about, to be honest. Um, but personally, I just think it, it's going to be a good series, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
Um, on the wings front, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting off season. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to. We've talked about trade possibilities. We've talked about offer sheet possibilities. We've talked about free agency um, possibilities. So I think I don't think Steve Eisenman's going to leave any to, uh, stone unturned uh, in this offseason. I think there's going to be certainly dipping his toe in, into a lot of different pools and different different waters. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, continue to listen to us. Continue to read all the articles because there's certainly going to be a lot to talk about. Um, but other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can check out our merch shop at redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. Again, we are still running the Vladimir Konstantinov shirt on there and design. You can get it on stickers, mugs, shirts, everything like that. The money will go towards helping him get the health care he needs 24-7. We like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, who makes the most awesome Detroit jerseys, as close to authentic as you're going to get. And they're the nicest people around. Mm -hmm. We also give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter for hosting our podcast and spreading it around. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Worth if it. That, yeah, if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12%. And on Howie's Hockey Tape, you will get 10%. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.